Duke Williams play for Chris Jones? He did not. Duke came to the CFL in 2017 with Edmonton. Jones would have moved here by that time. He came here in 2016. So uh, Duke never did play for Chris Jones, but some are drawing that connection. Uh, just, just no. Just no. No, that's officially number three on my disaster list. That'll be number three now. I don't know if it could beat over Darius Bowman, though, man. That guy is that's... in his prime. <laughs> you don't forget that. Uh, <laughs> Marshall Ferguson, was there any point where where Duke would not have beat out a Darius Bowman for a job? I guess 2017. Well, no, 2016. Uh, I don't know if they ever played together, actually. I, I don't think so. I, no. I, like, I mean, Duke was probably doing Duke things when he was 14. So yeah, that's for true. me, it's it's like a Darius in his prime is like, well, Duke just wasn't up here yet to me. It's like, yeah, if he if he was up here, that's probably what we'd be looking at. But I, I'm actually writing a story right now before I hopped on with you here, DT, to uh, to talk about the signings of Manny Arsenault and Darius Bowman. And I got to admit, the first visual that came to my mind because I went, well, they're not going to they're not going to keep both of them, are they? Like, would that be what the, the plan is here is that Chris Jones brings these guys in they They both get through training camp and all the rest. And I just thought of Heath Ledger from the Dark Knight, which, by the way, I looked it up. The Dark Knight is now 13 years old. It came out in 2008, which is yeah. shocking, shocking to me. But anyways, it, it, the scene where he ends up snapping the pool cue over his knee, he says, we're aggressively expanding and then tosses <laughs> it onto the floor and says, make it quick and walks <laughs> out. And it's like, that's what training camp is going to be. Cause you're not going to keep both those guys at the end. So it's like, yeah, they're all going to be competing for jobs on the roster. But don't you think every time that Manny makes a catch, Darius, damn. And every time a Darius makes a catch, Manny's like, damn. Cause they know, like they know that they are, there is one veteran older guy receiver position probably available on that team. There's, they're both well. Okay, Darius is tearing a hamstring in training camp. Come on, like he's been away from the game for so long. He's he moved on to another career. Like he did not play in 2019 at all. Like Man, yeah, Manny yeah, hasn't it's... played since 19. But Darius did not even play in 2019. And in 2018, it was a bad season for a guy who was a yeah. great receiver two years prior. Yeah, I agree. And for me, it's one of those things where it seems like a great idea and it's going to be a lot of fun. And then you come back in and three days into training camp, you're like, oh, I'm a little sore, but this isn't awful. And then you're six days into training camp and it's like, okay, I probably need like a day off here at some point. And Chris Jones probably gives the veteran guys a day here, day there. You go through a game for the first time. The first time you get popped after a while, oh. I, I think that's when you probably start to go, should I should I be doing this? Like, is my body in the right? And again, he's not, this is not somebody who is being reckless with their body, who is, uh, you know, at the end of his career as a receiver at 38, 39. And it's like, it's not safe for you to be out there. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think there's a reality check that will come at some point, as it usually does. I mean, hell, DTU, you, you and I both speak to CFL veteran guys all the time. And whether it's when they are retired or when they're on the edge of retirement, they always end up admitting at some point, yeah, that was when I made up my mind because that training camp or that game or that hit that I took, that woke me up and made me realize that I'm not as young as I used to be. So yeah. I wish all the success in the world for those guys. But I do think when that moment of reality hits – that's when it'll get interesting for those two. Yeah. Uh, the Elks making a bunch of cuts today, including Jonathan Mincy, the cornerback, and longtime punter Hugh O'Neill. We'll discuss those a little later uh, in the cage. Uh, the big news is the Ticats and Brandon Banks are going their separate ways, and I know you saw a ton of Brandon Banks calling Ticats games, and you've certainly studied him in depth. I guess the question is, 
what's next for banks? Yeah, it's a great question. I think uh, it would be obviously a lot of speculation at this point to understand where his best fit would be in the Canadian Football League. I hope that he stays in the CFL. I hope that this isn't some sort of play to go down and be in one of those fringe alternative leagues because I don't consider the CFL to be a fringe alternative league. And I, I do think that he will have suitors. I just... For me, it was one of those things where he's an older guy, again, receiver, older. Uh, you know, there might have been some people this past year who thought he lost a step. I didn't. I just thought he was injured. I, th- I thought it took him yeah. a little bit of time to get back up to speed. Same conversation we had about Shaq Evans not that long ago, where it's like he didn't have a bad season because he sucks. He he had a slightly worse season, it did Brandon Banks, because he was dinged and he couldn't get into a rhythm and the quarterbacks were changing and the offensive line was an issue in Hamilton. So there were a lot of things at play there, but I do think that he certainly has more in that tank. And for me, the first thing that I kind of went to when I saw the news was, wow, you know, there it's so funny, DT, there's however many hundreds of free agents that we see every year right now based on how the CBA is structured in the CFL. And there's only about a handful of times where my jaw drops in the three, four months, of the CFL off season with actual roster news. Sometimes it's quarterback news. It usually is, but this was one of those. And the reason I say that is Brandon Banks has done so much within the organization. Like honestly, his story of coming in and <laughs> dazzling everybody with that East final in 2013 and then or 2014, I should say, and then almost winning Hamilton, the great cup when he should have, if it weren't for the Taylor Reed block against Calgary in 2014, in the great cup. And then he battles his way back into the great cup. And then he ends up getting his, his hip popping out. Essentially he breaks his collarbone in 2018, like ends back to back years with injuries. Mm. 2020 he's off. I talked to him about one of the bad hurricanes that was coming through in 2020 down there and in Carolina. And he was like fleeing the air with his family and he said man i just wish i was in canada right now like i it, it was august it was hurricane season and he was saying i just i hate being down here right now i shouldn't be here i should be up there playing football so he's gone through so many of these ups and downs and the biggest one that came to mind for me and this obviously has a saskatchewan time because the name i'm about to say but was kent austin and kent austin is a is a great football coach and a tremendous part of of recent modern cfl history but kent austin did not, would not acknowledge that Brandon Banks could be more in Hamilton yes. than, a, than a returner. And, yeah. and he he did not have that belief. And I talked to Brandon about this. I forget when it was, but he was pretty candid about it where he said, I was on people, offensive coordinators, positional coaches, all the rest. I was miserable. And, and you don't think of Brandon Banks as miserable when you think of his time in Hamilton. But if you go back and you watch games from 2014, 15 16, especially 17 when they began 0-8, there are points where Banks, is, his body language is awful and he's sulking and all, and it's because he knew he had more in him. And it took Kent Austin getting let go and June Jones coming in mm-hmm. for the Ticats to find out what he could be. And I, I remember asking June about this where I said, Kent never thought of him as a receiver. What about him made you think that he could not only be a receiver, but play the the X, the boundary wide receiver in your run and shoot offense where the receiver's got to make so many reads? And it's so funny. It's like the old ball coach kind of thing where he just has an eye for talent. I'll never forget June going, I took one look at him and he was a receiver. He said, I don't care. I don't care about his frame. He said, I saw the way he was running routes. He was beating people. Nobody could cover him when I first came in here. I was scouting games before I came up and I just thought, why is he not playing receiver? He's one of your most talented players. Now, 
June has a history of taking undersized guys and making them superstars, which obviously he did with, with Brandon. But that was kind of my thought was, man, Speedy was a sensation in Hamilton for five years, and he ain't even get to play receiver. Like, that can was, you imagine if he was a receiver in those five years? It, and it was stark, right, when Jones said, okay, you're in. And then you look at the numbers, you go 14 games, he puts up 1,423 yards in 14 games, 11 touchdowns, wins the MOP the next year, 16 games, uh, 112 catches for 1550. So once he became a full-time receiver and kind of the focus there, uh, 100 yards a game and almost a touchdown a game, and you go, yeah, that's uh, that is a. I mean, that's a real miss. That's a real miss. But all props to Banks for a guy who is dramatically undersized. I was so impressed in 19 with how he could he could win jump ball situations. Without <laughs> without being tall, I I asked him that at, at, when he won the the MOP award. I'm like, how how are you so good in jump ball situations? Like, you just gotta want it more. Like, well, yeah, but you're five seven, and he crushed people. So it'll be interesting to see what he may have in the tank this past season. Ten games, forty four catches for four seventy four. Anybody who watched him or had him on their fantasy team or yeah. took his over-under total knew that that was not the Brandon Banks. So hopefully there is a spot for one of the great receivers. There's uh, there's two quick memories that I want to yeah. pass on to that point about his size and playing the position. Is There's a touchdown that he scored against the BC Lions in 2015. I was the sideline reporter for the Ticats and on local radio in Hamilton. And it was on the far side of the field, but for some reason I had this perfect view of it even though I was at field level where he caught, it might have been a jet or maybe like a quick end around, something like that. And he got to the sideline and he had to cut back. And Solomon, like prime Solomon Elamimian was was running at full speed at him. Okay. And and Banks bounced off him and then ran another 30 yards into the end zone. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember watching it from field level and just going, the hell was that? And then I asked him after the game, he goes, I don't know, man, that was just a survival thing. Like I didn't have anywhere to go. And I just, I had to lower my shoulder and hope that I didn't die. And he didn't. And there's another time where I was following him on Instagram, I think in 2016 or 17, he posted a video of himself when he was at Kansas state in the return game, running through people like like ducking his head as a return man and running through them and I asked him about it a couple of days later at practice and he said you know what man I've always wanted to be a running back but my body just won't let me do it and like that was his mentality and I love that so much that for a guy that as you say 5'7 165 soaking wet he had this mentality that well I mean yeah that's my body but that's not that doesn't define who I am that doesn't define how my game is going to be played so mm-hmm. he's fun man he's he's an all-time fun athlete to cover in the CFL so I'll be really interested to see where he lands yeah there there should be some suitors for him for sure uh, usually this just ends up being a salary thing where they weren't going to be able to meet what he wanted or right. hey realize that hey you know we actually have some interesting younger receivers here let's let's roll with that he's Marshall Ferguson Canadian football perspective with us on the Western Pizza hotline and you wanted to drop some Jeremiah Masoli on us <laughs> well it was just on a day where uh, you know I've been digging up some stuff on Dane Evans and and going through some of his numbers and uh, thinking about Brandon Banks moving on and kind of what the Ticats organization is moving forward here. I'm looking at the big picture and it's like, if you look at the contracts that they are doling out, a lot of them in Hamilton are 
geared towards like you just said about the coaching staff in Saskatchewan it's it's the next year or two right it's it's a great cup run and trying to get this group together in their prime to be able to take down the job and Jeremiah after the Dane deal pretty obviously is not going to be a part of that so there's a very real turning of the page when you realize that Dane is the quarterback and Jalen Acklin might be the best receiver alongside Stephen Dunbar and Tim White at this point in Hamilton Mm -hmm. and the names that you know in Hamilton uh, they're not going to be around for a long time and Jeremiah at this point like we know, at least we think we know, he's not going to be in Hamilton. So what does that mean? Well, it means that he's looking at potential suitors and where he could possibly go. And at this point, the only reason I think he has not been released in order to sign with somebody is because Hamilton just doesn't feel the need to give an unfair competitive advantage to another team to sign him earlier, get him in the playbook earlier, get him in the facility or all those things. Right. So they're probably just sitting on it and saying, you know what, you're going to be a pending free agent. You know, we're not going to bring you back. You know, the tampering window opens up in about three days here. You can have those conversations then, but we're not going to give you even that little bit, which, by the way, it's hilarious to me that like professional football teams are saying three, three days in the playbook or in the gym could be the difference between us losing a playoff game to you. It's like, okay, whatever. It's like just the human side of it. I'm like, just release the guy, let him go. But I understand that Ottawa, there's a lot of people in the nation's capital that think Paul Apolise and all these, for me, I, I, the more I think about it, DT, the more I believe BC is is where Jeremiah is going to want to sign. Now, is he going to sign there? That's a question for the BC Lions. But you know people that are from the West Coast. Yeah. There's something about that Pacific air and the opportunity to go there. And Jeremiah is a guy who played Juco down in uh, in San Francisco and spent a lot of time in Honolulu and played at Oregon. And like he he is a Pacific dude. And I don't know if it would be family related or otherwise that that might come into play, but I'm looking at this as, and that guy knows the Pacific coast. Like he spent a lot of his life in or around the Pacific coast. And then I look at the actual team itself and I'm thinking turf. Yep. Indoors. Yep. He's got incredibly talented receiver and lucky whitehead. He might have Brian Burnham back in the fold. Yep. And if I'm looking at between Ottawa or BC, if I'm Masoli. I think to myself, in terms of defense, yeah, Ottawa's got a really talented defense that's coming, but I think BC's defense is arrived. Yeah. Like I think they're going to be here very, very quickly, especially in the linebacking core, what you've got going on there. That's going to run their defense. They're going to fill in spots in the defensive backfield with some talented Americans. If they hit like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did in 2021, the BC's defensive backfield could be spectacular. And then up front, last year, I remember them saying that they were investing in youth on the defensive line, not for the purposes of 2021, but for the purposes of 2022 and beyond. Mm-hmm. They wanted to get those guys game reps so they could give them experience and give them a chance to be great down the line. It's it's super attractive to me, if I'm Jeremiah Masoli, to go back west, to be part of all of that, and to be able to try and challenge for a starting job. I know that Nathan Rourke is there. I know that he's the top guy, and I get that. I'm just saying... If I'm Jeremiah, I, I know him a little bit. I think that sounds like the better deal to me. Well, and that's that's the quarterback that BC could add. That would be the most similar to the skill set of Nathan Rourke when I think of <laughs> the free agents that are out there. Jeremiah Masoli, they're not the same, but they're the mo- They're way more similar than if you want to add a, a Trevor Harris into the mix. Uh, Clayton Croker, we got time for you to jump in with uh, Marshall Ferguson here. Well, I just want to talk about Nick Arbuckle and how you would deal with the situation in Edmonton, especially if you think Masoli would go to BC. Would you bring in a veteran guy if you're Edmonton to battle with Arbuckle, or would you just say, day one, this is our guy, and just kind of make sure his confidence is there right from the start of training camp? 
I'm a little scared, Clayton, for Nick. I am. Uh, and it's because I, I don't want to see Nick play on his 42nd CFL team in the last five seasons. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that would be upsetting to me because I, I want to see what he is. I'd like to get an opportunity. So I'm a little bit hesitant because Chris Jones doesn't give a damn how Nick Arbuckle feels. Chris Jones gives a damn about winning football games and having good quarterback play. And that says to me that if Nick Arbuckle is there, he might need to start wrapping his mind around the idea of playing with, uh, you know, two quarterback system, or if he's going to have a veteran guy as a security blanket, like Trevor Harrison, maybe Trevor Harris uh, starts the year out really well. And Arbuckle is just not playing. And he has to wrap his mind around that after he was traded. for. So for me, I think that Chris Jones is as cutthroat as anybody in the CFL when it comes to trying to find solutions and winning because he knows that's how this business and that's how this game is played. Um, the other thing that actually just because you're talking about Ar- Arbuckle stuff that was kind of concerning for me, I went and looked up the completion percentages for Nick Arbuckle from 2021, just this past season. He, you know, he was getting acclimated to Toronto and the, the craziness of leaving Ottawa and all the rest, but he was below the CFL average for completion percentage on every single heat zone that I look at outside of the numbers on both sides. So down the middle of the field, there was a couple of spots here and there where he was above league average completion percentage, but in Toronto, it was 17 points below 12 points below 38 points below 27 points below like on and on Mm. and on. I can tell you. So for me, it's like Nick's got to correct that and find a way to be able to get the ball outside the numbers and complete passes or Chris Jones is going to find somebody else to be the starting quarterback for the Elks on opening day. Hmm, interesting. I, I I don't know if a Harris-Edmonton reunion would be the best. I don't know if that's – like, wouldn't that be kind of weird going back, even though the whole – Super weird. You know, executive – they're all different and stuff now. Like, there's some new people in there. But wouldn't that just be weird if Trevor Harris goes back to Edmonton a year after they just say, see you later? Incredibly weird. Yeah, I'm with you. It's It would be the most awkward. Like, you can come up with whatever dating analogy you want on that one, but it's like you're married, you get divorced, you go down the road for six months to a year, and then all of a sudden you're dating your ex-wife. It, like, oh, what? And you move back in and everything's just kind of like on shaky ground. here. like, yeah, 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 but I changed the, some of the things that are on the kitchen table. Like, everything's different here. We rearranged and we did some renovations and uh, everything's good. It Totally. It'd be the strangest thing. But again... I don't think Chris Jones cares what's strange. I don't think Chris Jones cares what looks weird. Like optically for him to be talking to Deron Carter about primarily playing defensive back. The first time I read that, I was like, who cares? Like find a DeAndre Alford, find it, find a Dietrich Nichols, like find an actual player that is going to, I don't give a damn about Deron Carter. And to be fair to a Darius Bowman and Manny Arsenal, like, I didn't expect any of that. And I didn't really care if they were going to be in camp or not, because I'm not expecting huge things from them. But Chris Jones doesn't care what we think. He just plays by his own rules. So it would be incredibly strange, but I am absolutely not counting it out, especially if Masoli ends up going to BC or Ottawa, you start spinning the table and it's like, does Chris Jones, he hated probably going up against Chris Strevler. Would he reach out to Strevler and try and create something like that to go alongside Nick Arbuckle? I, I don't know. It's We're going to have some strange conversations around Edmonton for as long as Chris Jones is there. 
Chris Jones don't care, DT. I don't care. <laughs> Chris Jones. He doesn't care about anything. I, I don't give a hoot. I don't give a hoot, man. I don't go. care. Follow Marshall on Twitter at TSN underscore Marsh at CF Perspective as well. You can see his great content there. Read his upcoming piece at CFL.ca. And he's with us every Thursday inside the cage. Thank you, brother. Thanks, guys. Be well. Talk soon.